hey, Joe Casaboni here, and I'm just letting you know that how I built it is now Streamlined Solopreneur. So if you're seeing a new artwork and a new name in your podcast player, that is expected and by design. The new name better reflects the mission and really what has been the mission of this show for the last few years, and I'm really excited about it. All the links in the show notes and how I built it will still work, but the show also has a new home over at streamlined.fm if you want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody, as we gear up for 2020, I want to hear from you and the things that you'd like to see on this show. So if you have a question, a comment, a topic, a guest, any kind of suggestion for how I built it in 2020, let me know by going to howibuilt.it slash feedback. That's howibuilt.it slash feedback if you would like to see something on this show in 2020. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, I am ending this season and this year of How I Built It by geeking out about audio stuff with my guest, Ryan White. I met Ryan at Podcast Movement. He is the U.S. product specialist for Rode Microphones, a company that makes great gear and who has an increasingly bigger presence in the podcasting space. I thought this was appropriate because I have focused a lot of my own year on podcasting, launching my own course and my own service, which you'll probably hear more about in the coming weeks or months. And so uh, I wanted to end with Uh, some information about how you can start your own podcast, room acoustics and stuff like that. We talk gear, room acoustics and more, and you can hear their newest product. That is if you can hear their newest product, uh, the Rodecaster Pro in action. Uh, And again, that's if there's anything to hear. And of course, if you want to learn more about podcasting in general, uh, you can head over to the show notes for this page, how I built it slash one four nine, and there will be a free PDF of podcast workbook that you can download. But we'll get into everything that we talk about with Ryan and more after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ahoy, the easiest way to increase customer engagement on your WordPress site. Install Ahoy, create a message box, configure where to display it and start seeing conversions come in. You can create messages for cart abandonment, upsells and cross-sells, custom support, and so much more. Ahoy's flexible conditions let you choose exactly where and when you want your message to be displayed. I've recently installed it on my own WooCommerce site, and I've already seen increased engagement. And I know this because of Ahoy's powerful analytics and reporting. You will see ROI within days of installing Ahoy, if not sooner. And that's even more true for listeners of How I Built It. You can get an exclusive 20% discount on any plan. Visit useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and use the code howibuiltit at checkout. That's useahoy.com, U-S-E-A-H-O-Y, useahoy.com slash howibuiltit and the discount code, how I built it. Use those today. Increase your engagement and sales on your WordPress site. Thanks to Ahoy for their support of this show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Ryan White. He is the U.S. product specialist 
for Rode Microphones. I met him at Podcast Movement 2019. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. How you doing? Joe, thanks so much for having me, man. I am doing excellent, and it's been a great week. Awesome. Glad to hear it. We got to chatting at Podcast Movement because, uh, well, you were at the Rode table, and I wanted to try out. I'm going to mess up the name here because I don't have it written down, and I forget the order, but the Rode Pod. Master, Roadmaster, something like that. <laughs> it is the Roadcaster Pro and Road the new Pod Mic. I apologize. We got some, uh, especially with the podcast stuff growing so much, we got a lot of the Podcaster, Procaster, Pod Mic, the Podcaster. And all those are obviously puns on, you know, the application. I always joke that, you know, and no offense to these guys either, but like all the companies like Audio Technica that have the numbers, like the 4040, the 4050, 4060, you know, and they, all go like 20, 34 and 20, you know, I don't have to memorize those. I just have a couple names that I have to memorize that are application based. (laughs) And so, but those of you that don't work with Rode every day completely understand a little bit of the mix up, but yes, the Rodecaster Pro is the new podcast desk and the pod mic is coming very soon. The new $99 dynamic podcast mic. Yes. I was using the Rode Procaster for a while and the Rode Podcaster is a USB mic, I often recommend to people. So I always mess up the name of the Roadcaster Pro because I think I'm mixing them up. Totally, man. I, um, I Freudian slip them all the time as well. And then you <laughs> kind of catch yourself and go, oh, no, I totally meant the desk, the Roadcaster, uh, yes. not the microphone, the Procaster. But it's all, all in good fun. And the thing is, I think it actually like kind of sticks into people's heads, you know, that picture it, they have to kind of dive a little deeper. So maybe there's a little bit extra in the naming too, just to make it stick with you, you know? Absolutely. Because we have a product specialist from Rode Microphones, I thought it would be fun to talk gear today. A lot of people generally ask me like, hey, what do you use? What should I use? What's a good first microphone? And I always kind of give a recommendation without digging deep into the science of it. I kind of understand it. I don't think I can explain it as well as some folks. Let's start off with who you are and what you do at Rode. So I started five years ago with Rode. An old coworker of mine at Slate Digital, which was where I was as an intern right after school, called me up and said, I got the sales job over at Rode Microphones. Are you familiar? And I said, the NTK, first microphone ever fell in love with from Rode. And I bought the NT1A. I was an intern in LA, so I didn't make enough money to afford the NTK at the time. But a $230 NT1A was just right up my alley. And then eventually upgraded into the NTK and the K2 with the two mics. But uh, just, I knew about the company, loved them. And so I said, heck yeah, what's the job? And it's travel for work. So I always wanted to travel for work. I'm in the audio industry. So whether that was touring or, you know, being a front of house engineer all the way to the sales or education side of things, they said, we're going to have you talk about microphones across the country and you just hit the road. No pun intended. Maybe a little bit of a pun intended. Start talking to our dealers and other events that, you know, those dealers might put on. So what I then transitioned that into was schools and events, podcast movement and different things like that so that we can also interact with the end user. And that has really helped grow the number of people that we're actually reaching on the backside. That's fantastic. So you've basically been in uh, the audio space since you graduated. Did you major in, like, did you study this field as well? What did you major in? I know a lot of people probably don't think of majoring in podcasting, but there is like an audio engineering field. Is that right? Absolutely. So funny enough, I was the A2 for an arena when I was 19 years old. And I like to joke that I knew the right person at the right time, but so much of what we do is knowing the right person at the right time. And then I like to joke that uh, I was good enough to not get fired. 
It's true. It's funny. But, you know, it kind of hits hard. You know, sometimes some of the hardest lessons you learn are messing up. But I was good enough to not get fired on that job and did three and a half years uh, at the arena, became the A1. So uh, about 23, it got a little bit too political. And I went and got that Mm -hmm. piece of paper that everybody was looking for, you know, from (laughs) back then, everybody was kind of looking for some kind of degree or at least an associates or a tech school or something. So I found the Conservatory Recording Arts and Sciences out in Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out to those guys. They're amazing. At the time, it was an eight-month program uh, with a guaranteed 280-hour, I believe it was, internship. They also guaranteed, hey, you're going to have to go get in the industry after this is done. So I was like, what an easy way to get that piece of paper and then right back in the industry. And it wasn't a two-year or four-year thing, so I could also invest uh, some pretty quick time and get that going. Well, that led me to Slate Digital, and a few years later, here I am you know, with Rhodes, so it's been great. That's fantastic. First of all, uh, so much of what we do is knowing the right person at the right time. I love that. There's hard work, luck, and timing, uh, I think, all kind of go into success. But with such a focus on doing like the four-year education, you are a great example of somebody who knew what they wanted to do and got the education they needed without having to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get it. Yeah, I uh, had a very deep conversation with my father about that eventually. And it's funny because, like I said, I didn't actually go to a audio school until I was 24, 25, you know, because I just, I was going to schools. I did DeVry University for a year. It was a great program. It got me all the electronic stuff for one year prior to, but I was diving into more engineering from a physical mathematics standpoint, like an actual engineer, not an audio engineer, which we kind of throw that word around loosely. But I like to lovingly say that what, what the school called a pretengineer, you know, somebody who uh, <laughs> fakes it and acts like an yeah. engineer. I'm thankful for my past having put me in the fire, whether it was from a school standpoint or a live sound standpoint to learn troubleshooting. Because once you learn troubleshooting and how the signal actually works, it's really not as difficult as it seems. It kind of seems like a little bit of witchcraft voodoo and so forth to start. But once you learn that, everything kind of falls into place from everything else, like application standpoint. DeVry was great for a year, but it was leading me into another path that I didn't really quite want to go into. Moved on from that, went to KU. I'm from Kansas City. I'm a Kansas City boy. So I went to KU for about a semester. And that's when my dad kind of like reached out and said, hey, love you. But I was a business major at that time. I completely like flipped the script. Just like, well, maybe I can start my own business in the audio space because Kansas City wasn't a huge market for it. I just gave that up for a little bit, took dad's advice. It was great advice. Dated this girl, got the job at the arena, and the rest is history. You know, so it's, it, it was just kind of meant to yeah. be really good advice from my father. He was right. Like, don't spend all your money just trying to do that. Find the one thing that you truly want to do and go find the place that'll actually help you do it. And then I had the guts and so forth to uh, leave state, move all the way across the country, kind of uproot myself, <laughs> uh, then move to LA, kind of a culture shock from Kansas City. You know, and I did this whole back and forth thing for quite a while just to try to find my place. And it's been really good for me so far. And I've met some amazing, amazing people along the way. So it kind of then solidifies that. Lots of really good advice already, just like general life advice. I don't really think about it until like I talk to people who just did a four-year degree and then they're back out into it. And they're like, you did what to chase down some audio? <laughs> I moved yeah, to three different states like six right. different times. That's great because now we have a really good setup for what we're ultimately going to talk about, right? Which is let's say I'm a podcaster, I want to start doing screencasts. Where do I start? So usually I ask people on this show what kind of research they did in vetting their own idea for a business or product. But in this case, what kind of research should somebody do 
setting up their audio equipment or determining what audio equipment they should get? I kind of surprise people when I talk about this, but I think it like truly Ryan White, the audio engineer that works for Rode Microphones, feels that the best thing for audio for Rode, for Ryan White, the engineer, and then again, for that end user who's going to actually be using this stuff, I surprise people because I don't just pitch a microphone right away. I say a couple different things. First thing is, unless you already know you have an unlimited budget, don't just aim for the top. Like I always use Megami cables as an example. They're amazing. But if you have a full-fledged studio, not even a home studio, and you want to upgrade your microphone cable to Megami into your interface, but then you patch through this patch cable that's $2, you just took that $50 cable and turned it into a $2 cable. So I always preach, you need an average. Find your budget. It's not about the money to start, but if you don't have the money, you can't start. So it's also a bit of that conversation. I never ask, you know, are you at $200 or are you at $2,000? Or hey, are you at $200,000? Because it's kind of irrelevant. (laughs) You find the average inside the budget that you have. That's what solves your thing. You know, I know a lot of guys who do video work on YouTube and so forth that have videos that are talking about the $350 podcast, the $2,000 podcast, the $20,000 podcast, right? So they all have their own space, but what they never say there is like, you have to have this piece of gear. No, it's how do you solve your problem with the budget that you have, with the setup that you have, with the room that you have? Because the next thing that I ask is, how's your room? So there's two things, get an average and how's your room? And those two things are before I even ask you about what microphone you want, because if you buy a $3,500 Neumann and then put it into a room that sounds horrible, that Neumann was just again turned into a $2 piece of junk. You also kind of have a nice average on the room. Once we get past that, we can start talking about microphone type and placement. That's really fantastic, right? Because I think a lot of people probably don't realize how important the environment is. No matter how expensive your microphone is, if you're getting a ton of echo or like you're right next to a nursery and like your kid is crying and your microphone picks that up, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, there's very little you can do about that. Very little. You know, I love the guys over at Isotope. Uh, Adobe's doing a lot of great stuff inside of Premiere now. I've been using the Isotope stuff since like day one. And RX is a wonderful piece of software, but I often get customers who come back to me from a freelance standpoint before Rode, you know, where it was like, how do I get rid of the reverb in this room? And oh my gosh, the algorithm just to even (laughs) think about getting rid of reverb is astounding. And RX does a good job of their de-reverb plugin, you know, specifically to Mm -hmm. that. But one thing you can't do is if it's just reverb, RX has nothing to pull from the source. So uh, I commonly teach in my video classes that what makes me professional is not what I record from a standpoint of uh, my source. Like if I'm recording you, Joe, it's fairly easy to just have you stand in front of my microphone from five, 10 feet away with a good room and record you. Now, if that baby starts crying, that airplane flies over, the reverb in the room is more than Joe by himself, big Mm -hmm. issues. So solve that first, use RX to customize and or to amend it a little bit, but don't use it to be your sole source of sound. Yeah, exactly. Right. People have asked me like, Hey, my dog is barking in the background. Like, how do I get that out? You get that out by re-recording what you just said without the dog barking in the asking background. your dog politely to be quiet. No, or yeah. you ask your buddy, like, and I, I joke about it, but it's like, it's your animal. You love that animal. And if you can, I'm not even joking about like, if your setup calls for you to ask your buddy to babysit your dog while you do a two hour recording, do it. And it sounds like an extreme, but it's either that or try to fix a dog bark and a recording. And it's very tough to do. 
This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to Pantheon.io today again to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. I just recently moved into a new house. There's one amendment I need to make to my office, which is there's no door at the top of the stairs. When my daughter is playing two rooms away, that sound is traveling because there's nothing to stop it. Now I record on the day she's in daycare or when she's down for a nap, but I have my door ready. I just need to put it up. That so, whole thing turns into a yeah. chamber and amplifies it by the time it gets to you, funny enough. Put a Bluetooth yeah, speaker in like a bathroom and that. then walk four rooms down and tell me if it's not louder than it appears when you're in that bathroom. It absolutely does. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that actually. My wife, she was like, really? You can hear us like from the other end of the sunroom? And I'm like, yeah, that sound gets amplified when it like travels Everywhere. through the kitchen down the echoey stairs into my office. And it's not their fault. You know, I'm not going to tell them to stop playing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, yeah. daddy's recording. So please, um, shh. Yeah. yep, can't do that. <laughs> so all this talk about environment, what are some things that somebody can do in a home office to improve their environment or generally improve the recording quality even before they buy a microphone? Rugs are your best friend. <laughs> a non-reflective surface on a table, you know, so like your desk, considering the fact that you don't want it to be reflective right at the microphone. And then after that, there's a ton of do-it-yourself videos out there for making your own sound panels for about, you know, by the time you're done with it and everything, you know, it is a lot more work, but I mean, you're talking $10 a panel. Past that, if your budget also allows, the guys at Arlex do excellent work. The various companies that are out there for sound paneling are absolutely amazing at what they do. So like I said, rug, first one that people often overlook, but your hardwood floor is very reflective. And when you're talking dialogue, you don't need a lot of reflection. You know, you don't need a completely dead room either. But if you're even outside of that budget, I literally went to U-Haul and bought like five or six heavy moving blankets and you put up two or three microphone stands in a T-bar and hang those heavy blankets over the top of them and surround yourself with them. It sounds ridiculous. But it's that. And then the next thing that everybody does on a super budget, if your house happens to have some kind of walk-in closet, fill it full of clothes, put some kind of foam on the ceiling, on the door, and sit in there and do your podcast. It's absolutely hilarious, but it is a very budget-friendly to start making podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. People laugh at that too. But I mean, after my daughter was born, I would actually grab a comforter and I would put it over my head, my microphone, my whole computer. <laughs> Absolutely. Because uh, it worked. It absorbed the sound. Yep. 
Yeah, you were totally like Harry Potter in the beginning of whichever movie that was yeah. where he's lighting up yeah, yeah, the, exactly. the wand and you're just burying yourself under the yep. blankets. Let's do the best we can. You know, you're hanging out under there for an hour. Your daughter comes in, thinks you're crazy, but at the same time, good sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think probably the principles that we're touching on here are we want to make sure that sound is absorbed and not reflected kind of right back into the microphone, right? Correctly. Deferred or Correct. diffused. Let's say that we're at a spot by the way, I'll include a bunch of this stuff in the show notes. I have a couple of RLX panels right behind me, there you go. actually. And so I'll include a lot of this stuff in the show notes. But let's say we're at a spot where uh, we found a good place to record. It's absorbing and deflecting sound to the best of its abilities. Now we're ready to get some equipment. Before we get to the microphone, I swear this is not like a way to keep people listening. But before we get to the microphone, you mentioned something that I very rarely talk about which is cables. And I want to talk about this because when I first had my setup, I had a really nice preamp, but I had a very long, cheap cable and I was getting ground noise or white noise and I couldn't figure out why. Turns out the cable was too long and cheap. So I was losing a bit on the way to my computer. Right. Was it XLR or was it like a eighth inch kind of like headphone style jack? it was a XLR, yeah. I had a, an ATR something. Yeah, XLR surprises me because XLR, you know, at its max, I've ran a 400-foot XLR before. Back when I worked at that arena, it was sometimes necessary to get to trucks. And the whole point mm-hmm. of an XLR is that it's balanced. Positive, negative actually doesn't equal left and right. It equals in phase and out of phase. Without getting too crazy about it, they cancel each other out the whole run. So unless you need more push from the actual signal, It runs a long way and it's supposed to cancel noise the whole way. If it's an eighth inch unbalanced cable and or stereo unbalanced left and right, it doesn't do that. So you got like 30 foot max if you uh, are in a good scenario. If you're in downtown New York, all the radio, TV broadcasts and stuff can like amplify through your cable and then into your recording. So when we can, I always push for XLR. But that's that's kind of astounding that you had that problem with an XLR in a a home studio. I'm guessing I probably got... The cheapest cable, or is it just like the XLR? It could have just been as simple as being damaged. If, uh, oh, if that yeah, negative pin is, yeah. is shorted out, it's still possible that you could still be getting signal and then adding noise to the signal. Another gotcha. uh, rule of thumb too, and this is typically for longer cables, is to not let it run directly alongside power cables because power is the one and only thing that really can jump mm. into your audio signal from an XLR because it's if it's running alongside of it, alternating current can actually jump. <laughs> so it sounds absolutely crazy. It's not going to be like this voltage arc, but I've worked many live sound events where people get shocked and so forth from like actual like power running through the audio signal. It's scary, man. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I actually did specifically buy a surge protector that has ground protection and is a bit more balanced. It's not like your run of the mill surge protector. And I got it for that reason. I have it mounted in a little box and everything else is plugged into it. Either way, I mean, that's all for not now because I have like a universal audio arrow uh, that it's just USB-C powered and plugs right into my computer. So we're talking a lot about XLR microphones. I will link in the show notes a resource kind of describing the difference between a USB and an XLR microphone. We have our room. We've talked a little bit about cables and signal and, and how we can kind of prevent some of that ground noise. Let's talk about microphones. Let's say we want a USB microphone. I'm reading this stuff about plosives and condenser mics and this and that. How do I parse through all that information? 
I teach three things in my class for microphones first, and this is typically more of the microphone tech itself. And we can kind of get into some of those other secondary things here in a little bit, but I teach the type of microphone. So dynamic condenser ribbon. Then I teach the polar pattern because like I said earlier, what makes you a professional is what you get rid of. It's easier to capture yourself, but it is harder to get rid of things. So if you are using a, a sensitive shotgun microphone in a noisy environment, that shotgun is going to do a better job because it's doing its job of picking up all that surrounding noise as well. So a dynamic microphone is often softer, harder to influence with outside noise. So like you were talking about your daughter earlier, like running around the house, like way down the house, a dynamic has a better chance of not picking that up because it doesn't have as much energy. So when we're close to it, it does pick it up. When we're farther away, it doesn't as easily. So you got a little bit better chance of that. So if you're in a noisy environment right from the start and your room's already good, I do recommend a dynamic for dialogue first because it's going to also help you with all the other external noise. So unless you're in a professional studio, you're probably going that way. And then the third is frequency response, which is basically the EQ of the microphone. It's a fixed EQ built into the microphone to make it sound this way. And we use a lot of adjectives to talk about brightness or accuracy or mud or, or whatever, uh, yeah. beefiness or whatever adjective you want. Body and chest tone and <laughs> all the other <laughs> adjectives that you want to throw onto that. The main thing there is be sure to look at those three things because they're going to be what creates your original setup and tells you how to best design your room and your podcast just from the specs of the microphone alone. And after that, you can kind of get into some of the more strenuous tech talk. To sum that up a little bit, I mean, we're talking type of microphone, right? Because depending on the type of microphone and what you're using it for, right? Like I would probably have a different microphone for my drum set than I would for podcasting. Absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things that I talk about when you learn the tech, then you can kind of start artistically kind of getting creative with them. I have been lucky enough in the five years that I've been doing this, especially with schools, you'll be with students who the best time to learn is to do it at school. And so they're like, let's mm -hmm. put this ribbon microphone on top of the snare, but it's not, and this is not an example of something we did, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. you can try that stuff. And I'm blessed to be a product specialist with demo microphones that, you know, I'm not out there actively trying to break any microphones, but the best time to test them is when you're with a representative when you have a demo microphone and when you're in school, because that's going to, you know, I used to be in the patch bay, just patching everything that I could just trying to like work myself out of the signal flow so that I could find my way back. And the goal was to really just mess it up. I literally remember some dude making fun of me at school because I put auto tune on every single track in a song one time. And I was just trying to learn auto tune. What's the best <laughs> way to learn auto tune? Do it yeah, right. too much and then come back. Come back to reality and, okay, the vocals need this. I know how to use autotune now. That's kind of what I talk about with microphones, too. And kind of gives you a little bit of problems, too, because I'm not telling you to go out and buy five microphones just to do this. But when you are in the market, it's best to go find some demos that you can try out on location or anything like that and then take them home. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, find a, a local music shop near you and, and see if they have some demos set up. My friend Sean Hescath, I'll link this in the show notes as well, he actually has like a six mic shootout where he says the same thing over six different microphones. But that still will only get you so far because everybody's voice is different, right? Um, Absolutely. Everybody's room is different. Everybody's voice is different. And then I'll also like be a bit of a stickler here too in that a true shootout actually calls for your the microphones to be on the exact same performance with the exact same phase. 
as close as humanly possible. So if you've ever seen a shootout where they put two microphones, literally microphone to microphone, capsule to capsule, that's actually a true Mm. audio test to where with headphones or with your studio speakers on, you can sit there and go one, two, one, two. And they're literally the exact same performance. Because if you do it two different times, you know, I'm not even joking when I say that if you say the same thing a second time, you cannot repeat it to the exact same spec. Now, you don't have to be that overly detailed or technical about it. If they do a good job of just trying to stay consistent, you get a good idea of which one you feel like might be better for your voice. So you go for that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. So you mentioned types of microphone, polar pattern, and frequency response. I'm going to skip to frequency response before we talk about polar pattern just a little bit, because I think that a lot of podcasters probably could get away with without buying the 3500 Neumann microphone because you don't need to pick up as much vocal range when you're talking or doing spoken word voiceover versus when you're singing. Is that right? 100% correct. We do that with singing because we want a lot more of that clarity, that brightness, those adjectives that Mm -hmm. we're talking about where you quote unquote sit on top of the mix. You kind of come out above the guitars, the drums and et cetera. And sometimes with tracks like screaming tracks or rock tracks, you actually bury the vocals a little bit deeper. Plus they're screaming at a million dB. So the Rode Procaster, right, right. PodMic, the SM7B from Shure, the RE20 from ElectroVoice. All the things, you know, you got the Rode options there, which tend to be more affordable doing the same kind of job. And then you can go for the professional industry standards that have been around since World War II, to exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> you know, that's absolutely right. You know, I interviewed Peter Hollins about a year ago, and I wanted to ask him what microphone he used, and he was using like, a multi-thousand dollar Telefunken, he said was his favorite because it picks up that really deep singing he does and he has a wide range, so it can do the highs. I don't want to say the words because I think I'm going to mess them up. Baritone is deep, right? Yeah, I believe so, yep. So, uh, you know, so he has... Well, there's actually bass and I think bass is the the lowest and then baritone. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. I'm not classically Uh, trained, so if I got that incorrect, sorry, others out there that are classically trained as well. This episode is brought to you by Cloudways. Are you facing performance and security issues or launching your ambitious project with WordPress? Look no further, Cloudways has got you covered. Their managed WordPress hosting is the best choice for websites looking for ultimate speed, advanced security, and 24-7 expert support. Now, a lot of hosts promise a lot of things, but they have a whole bunch of features to choose from, including cloud providers like DigitalOcean, Amazon Web Services, and Google Cloud. And you can quickly and easily get up and running with your WordPress website without the need to be a system admin. You get a CDN, scalability, staging, and backups out of the box. I recently set up a WordPress website on AWS with Cloudways, and it was by far the easiest experience I have ever had with AWS. Cloudways works as an extended team for individuals and businesses, handles all of the server management, and lets you focus on building amazing websites for your ever-growing business. If you like what you've heard, start with a three-day free trial of Cloudways now. And don't forget to use the promo code HIBI20 for a free $20 hosting credit. Head over to howibuilt.it slash cloudways today. If we're talking about a microphone for podcasting, then you want to make sure you have a good, like Ryan said, a dynamic microphone. And the polar pattern is going to be important here. I know a lot of people who 
the blue Yeti gets recommended a lot and then people say they have a bad experience with it. The blue Yeti allows you to change the polar pattern. I'll usually tell people if they're getting bad sound from a Yeti, check the gain and check the polar pattern. Can you unpack that a little and and let people know what I mean by those things? Absolutely. So the polar pattern, again, going back to it's what you can get rid of, right? So with a polar pattern, it gives you options to do omnidirectional, bidirectional, what's called super and hypercardioid, which are shotgun microphones, and then cardioid, which is not exactly accurate, but it's about 50%. The back of it's canceled, the front of it's not. In the case of like a home studio, the cardioid pattern tends to work the best because home offices, bedrooms, living rooms, they're square, they're reflective and in a bad way where it's like fast enough to get back to the microphone to be awkward and cause phasing and cause weird sounds and tones. So if you can cancel out the backside of that microphone and be closer to the microphone, the better chance you have of your signal being clear and unedited right into the microphone. And then the back of the microphone takes care of a bigger chunk of the extras, right? The other things that are going on. So reflections off the backside of it, kids running around the hallways, you know, all that kind of stuff. I always like to say, put the bad noise behind the microphone and put your face in front of the microphone. And then whatever proximity is going to depend on whatever room you're in. So close proximity is going to give you a deeper, more full sound and back off of it's going to give you a little bit more natural sound. But again, further you get away from it, the more you're going to pick up of the stuff you don't want. And then with things like omnidirectional, so going back to the Blue Yeti. Now, I'm not a representative of Blue, but at the same time, industry familiar, right? Because we have the Rode NT-USB, which is designed as a cardioid vocal microphone, instrument microphone. And you can absolutely use it for podcasting. I 100% love it for Twitch. Anybody who's doing something else while they're trying to get dialogue, the NT-USB is an absolute rock star. And the reason is because it's sensitive. It's got a good tone to it that's not overpowering. So, So you can set it on your desk, point it back at your face from about three feet and capture what's happening while still having a controller in your hand, while still having headphones on, while still playing a guitar or singing, which also have people that do that. It's just a nice overall plug-and-play USB microphone with less options. So one of the downfalls to the Yeti is that people that are uneducated in polar pattern technology or anything like that might just sit there and turn on all microphones because I think it's got three capsules inside. They're half-inch condensers, which makes them sensitive and flexible. That's a good thing if you know how to use it. If you put it in omnidirectional, you're going to have one $150 microphone that's capturing everything that you tried to get rid of. So if you have multiple people, it's also going to be worse because whoever's closest to the microphone is going to sound nice and clear and big. And then the person that's not is going to sound like they're a football field away. So use that with like some knowledge of what it's doing and you could use it 100%. If you're trying to minimize problems, I've always taught if you have four people in your podcast, don't put one omnidirectional microphone in the middle. Give everybody their own inexpensive dynamic microphone. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a really good call because you can get a pretty inexpensive dynamic microphone these days, a USB one that plugs just right into your computer or whatever. We are coming up on time here. I could talk about audio geek stuff all day, but the last question, or maybe just to sum up and put this in a nice package, you know, we've talked a lot about USB versus XLR. If I am starting a podcast today, we have kind of an outline of what we want to do. We have the environment. We have some of the things that we can do in the room to make sure we have good sound. And then we've talked about different types of microphones. What, in your opinion, is a good starter kit for a podcaster? And I know this is a little bit of a loaded question because you work for Rode, but I'm talking to you specifically because I think that there is a really good answer in here. And I think that you're very apt to answer it. Absolutely. 
with some of the new stuff from Road, we're definitely diving heavier into the podcast space. As everybody probably already knows, if you're listening to this and you know our talk at Podcast Movement and so forth, a great starter kit, the one that I've been editing for and or using for a long time with some of my friends who do podcasts and different things like that, the Zoom, like whatever level to the XLR, I think it's uh, the H, I don't think the H1 has an XLR otherwise, but it was usually like some external recorder and a microphone or two, right? So you could go get a dynamic microphone at like 20 bucks. And again, I teach application over everything else. So you're looking at a recorder, whether that's your phone or a Zoom or a Tascam, and then two basic dynamic microphones. Boom, I'm started. The secondary thing is, are you going to make a phone call? Are you going to bring in USB technology? Do you have pads to trigger things? And I think everybody knows where I'm going with this. As soon as you have to do those things, it's the Rodecaster Pro 100%. So Rode did an amazing job when they built this desk to take those problems that are not based on Rode. They're based on industry problems because the guys over at Rode are also doing this stuff, right? So you got a mixer, you got the the three channels that are absolutely the powerhouse on it are the USB, the TRRS, and the Bluetooth. So I can actually have up to seven tracks on this. I can do redundant recording to Pro Tools. It is a Zoom recorder because it's got an SD card in it. You know, it's not a Zoom recorder, by the way, just disclaimer, but it's got the SD card (laughs) right on it. So you are recording to it. And actually I'm doing that right now as we're talking. Then I can actually plug in a TRRS jack from Skype, which I am also doing right now. Bluetooth signal if you have another phone call from wherever in the world, and then the USB track. All that stuff put into one bundle at $600. That's the price. It's $599. Trust me, the headaches and the gear alone is going to cost you $600 or more, and the headaches are going to want to make you quit. So after you're kind of out of that basic setup, you want to dive into this piece. The other thing, as soon as the pod mic is released officially and full force, which it's getting better every single day, At $99, you can buy four of the pod mics for the cost of a lot of our competitors. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with those competitors. It's just, again, going back to consider what you're trying to accomplish on what budget. This is an amazing pack for that to happen. Awesome. I really love that. Again, if you're looking to start a recorder and two basic dynamic mics, I think that that's something I generally skip over is the recorder part. I just say plug it right in to your computer. But if your computer crashes or something and it fails, you're going to wish you had that recorder that was dedicated to recording that. My friend Jeff is very insistent upon saving right to a recorder and then exporting it later. Absolutely. And you know, I did not touch on that. And I apologize for that. Sometimes with the newer gear, it kind of goes by the wayside. And I apologize for that. But I did mention the NT-USB, but even more so than that, it's a little bit more expensive, but you mentioned it earlier. The Podcaster is a dynamic broadcast microphone. It it stems from the Procaster, which is an XLR version, and you can get that for $230. USB right into your computer, headphone out. The whole thing is designed to just be plug and play. So again, at $230, that's an excellent solution where it's all in one. Now you open up your Mac laptop, you open up Reaper or Pro Tools or whatever your level, you know, GarageBand for what Mac can do. And then that that becomes your recorder with a USB microphone that's a professional microphone. That's fantastic. Ryan, I appreciate you joining me today. I do need to ask my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Oh, man. Well, I gave you a good chunk of them. But the main thing here is go for a solid average. Consider what you're trying to do and go for a nice average to get consistent tone. And then continue to do it. Don't stop. Plug it in. Start recording your content and stop worrying about the rest of it. I'm giving that because I'm bad at it myself. So you got to just get out there and force yourself to do it. And I think everything will come together. 
That's fantastic. I recently just wrote a blog post very similar to that called Getting Your Reps In. Go and record. Sometimes we uh, get in our own way too much. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will link to that and everything in the show notes. Ryan, where can people find you? So Road in general is road.com. In general, I'm on LinkedIn as Ryan White, and you can search that with Road. My name, unfortunately, is very basic. So <laughs> if you tack on Road microphones to that, I'm on every social media platform. Road.com is a great asset for you in general for all things Road. Fantastic. And actually, I cheated because I'm going to ask one more question here since you mentioned Road.com. I see a disclaimer usually at the top saying that Amazon is not an authorized retailer of Road. Should people be buying Road stuff off of Amazon? Is that still okay? Oh, man. So far outside of my job Loaded description. Question. Here's the thing, guys. Fulfilled by Amazon is what that's talking about. Fulfilled by Amazon can be anybody, and we always recommend, if you actually go to road.com and then you find the microphone, you can actually go and search your local area. We're actually fine-tuning this right now as we speak into something that's a little bit more powerful. So you type in your zip code, and it will give you a road reputable dealer in your backyard, if applicable. Online retailers are always amazing for that as well. Amazon is currently a reputable road dealer, but Fulfilled by Amazon is not. So you have to be very cautious that Mm. you're not buying it from... John's music and such and such, whatever. And then you have no details of who that person or what that person is. So going to road.com, searching your zip code is going to be the best option for finding a reputable. That means the warranty, right? So if you buy a road Procaster, you actually get a 10-year warranty, I believe, with that microphone. The NT1s, NT1As, all those come with a 10-year warranty. So if you buy it from a reputable dealer, it is not counterfeit. It is also very much covered by our in-house warranty, which is an excellent warranty. So That's all we're trying to caution you in. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great talk. Thanks so much to Ryan for joining me today. Uh, We got a lot more than I originally bargained for here. I mean, he, of course, he gave us information about uh, recording. Um, You know, you need an average. Find your budget. Uh, Don't just go for the most expensive stuff. People can't, you know, I can't afford the most expensive stuff. Um... And, and we talk about all sorts of stuff, but we also talk about kind of knowing the right person at the right time and following, you know, what you uh, what you think you need to follow, not not just the beaten path, the one that everybody thinks you should. Uh, there's going to be lots of links to gear and stuff like that, too. Um, so thanks again to Ryan for his time. You can find those links over at howibuilt.it slash 149. There's also going to be a couple more resources over there I'll tell you about in a second, right after I thank our sponsors, Ahoy, Cloudways, and Pantheon. Thanks uh, especially to Ahoy and Pantheon for sponsoring the entire season. Uh, Thanks to them, I've been able to increase production value a little bit and uh, do even more with the website and transcripts and things like that. So thanks to all three of them, of course, Cloudways, uh, Ahoy, and Pantheon, the latter two of whom sponsored the whole season. If you like this episode, uh, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so now the the little teaser, there are a few more resources that you'll be able to find over at howibuilt.it slash 149. The first is that podcast workbook that I mentioned. Uh, that's going to give you everything you need, uh, checklists and, and advice to start your own podcast. Um, it's also going to uh, get you on the list for when I launch my podcast liftoff course. By the time this is out, uh, it may already be launched, but make sure to get on the list uh, 
by signing up for that free PDF workbook. Uh, at the very top of the show, I also mentioned that my plans for 2020 include hearing from you. I want to know what you want to know. So uh, if you go to howibuilt.it slash feedback, the link will also be on the show notes page. Don't worry. Uh, so if you only want to remember slash 149, do that too. Uh, there is a form that you can fill out. It's two fields. It has the email address field so I can get back to you and a feedback field where you can put in a topic, a guest you want to hear, a question that you have, uh, or whatever it is you want to see on the show in 2020. Uh, thanks to everybody who has written in so far. Uh, and I want to hear from even more of you to make 2020 the best year for how I built it to date. Uh, be sure to keep an eye on the website and this feed. We are going to take a short break in between seasons, but there will definitely be bonus episodes. I always do a year end wrap up and a couple of other things. So uh, while it is in between seasons, there will still be more coming through on the feed. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>